Ladies and gentlemen, do welcome back to the Player Protection Symposium. Thanks for sticking around. You're clearly the die-hard fans of my Safe Bet show. We have one of the coolest guests that we could have at this event, namely Birgitte Sand. I will say it again, Birgitte Sand, because people tend to get that wrong. Birgitte is not called Birgit, Bridget, or any nonsense like that. So I'm... Um, Really, and I will sit down now, I'm delighted to have the opportunity to chat to Birgitte about her career in the industry for, I reckon, those few of you, and yeah, there's few of you here, but I'm sure a lot of people will be watching online, at least, fingers crossed, they, they will. I will, for those few of you who might have not come across Birgitte, Snowball's chance in hell, but there you go. 25 years around in the industry, including the Danish government. Uh, she used to be, and very successfully so, the Danish gambling regulator. And uh, she was around, I suppose, for the implementation and uh, all those funny bits associated with the 2012-2013 Danish law. She's also happened to have been heavily involved, which of course will give me an opportunity to ask questions about North America as well. She's been heavily involved in the still relatively recent Ontario regulatory scheme. So welcome on the show. Thanks Thank you for very much. Very kindly. Thanks for very kindly accepting my invitation. This is my cheat sheet. I'm not watching the latest industry news on my phone <laughs> while talking to Birgitte because that would have been absolutely disgraceful. Let me kick it off by a question about Danes in the industry. So you got Morten Ronde there, that's one Dane at the back of the crowd. Of course, this whole show has been put up by yet another Dane by the name of Rasmus Seymark. So that's the, he's the guy who's responsible for all this, i.e. the CEO and founder of the sports betting community. And this is its flagship event. And uh, my own company, well, I don't own it, but the company I work with, Entain, happens to have, happens to have a Danish CEO, Jetta Nigot Andersen. Hope I haven't mispronounced her name because I would have been in trouble. But this has been a very, very long introduction. So on to my question. Suppose I can't ask any other, any different question. What is it about you Danes at senior positions? in the industry? You know, is there something in the water at Jutland or Copenhagen or the smaller islands? How come you've taken all these top places? And congratulations on it. Thank you so very much, Martin, for your very kind introduction. Um, and a great pleasure uh, to be here. Lovely to see some familiar faces, but also new faces. So hopefully we will try not to be too boring. Um, so, Danes, well, it's a small country, right? Six million people. We have to be flexible, outgoing, smiling, exchanging, sharing. Otherwise, we simply lose track of what's happening in the world. So, and apart from that, we're said to be quite a happy people and also less corrupt than many other places in the world. So, I think in many ways, if you add that up, I think that might be a few of the reasons why you see a few Danes. Uh, having great positions. I wouldn't include myself in those top positions there, but, but uh, anyway, um, I think it comes with the fact that we're a small market, a small country, and you have to be outgoing and realize that if you want to be part of the world, you have to be a little bit humble, 
a little bit curious, very flexible, very international, uh, to get the best out of whatever you choose to do. So that was the brief explanation on Danes. Well, I believe it's spot on. Yeah, we got some <laughs> British friends in the audience. Of course, they, they had their dealings and skirmishes with the Danes many centuries ago. So there may be a bit of Danishness in their blood. And you're certainly a very, very happy person. That oh, yeah. big smile on your face. Even, even when dealing with, and we will come on to that, some of the most convoluted regulatory issues that one can come across. But perhaps sticking to, to the Danish theme, one final question on it before we move on to talking about the Danish regulation from back in the day, and it's of course still going strong. So you're telling me that you're not getting any classes from the primary school onwards in Denmark about how to become a big big in the gambling industry <laughs> or a CEO of a global company? Definitely not. It's <laughs> a shame. I believe the government should consider it. So, so really, if you want to sort of like do well internationally, you really do have to have an open mind. And I, I would say out of those 25 years plus in the Ministry of Taxation of all places, uh, I got very used to dealing with issues that was not always that popular among all people. Uh, tax issues in Denmark is, is rarely a, a very popular one. And then I was asked to take on the role as the Danish gambling regulator. And I thought, oh, no, here you go again. Another not so popular <laughs> area. Uh, but I must say, it has been the 12 best years of my career. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved it. And that's why I'm now a consultant in the business. I mean, once you're in, you, you don't want to go out. So this gambling world, I love it. I love my colleagues. Uh, and, and together, we had a great time uh, being able to put together the new legislative market in Denmark back in, in the years 11 and 12. Indeed. Well, if you could take us back all that time and take us through that whole journey that, of course, had started before 2011, 2012, and then all the changes that the Danish regulation has been through throughout the years, because it's still... You know, with, 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 with the UK being sort of a basket case, with all due respect, I probably shouldn't be saying that as a representative of a UK-listed company, so I'm saying it with my private hat on, and the other markets that in the past we would have, if not glorified, that at least hailed and given as examples of good regulation, you know, Spain, for example, they are going down the rather nasty path of restricting advertising and clamping down on operators. Whereas Denmark, I believe it, it's still up there as one of the best. So would you mind walking us through that journey? How did it all come about and what has happened since you Danes, sticking to the theme, <laughs> launched the regulation back in 11-12? Well, absolutely uh, spot on. Uh, back then in the days, 10, 11, where we had our new uh, gambling regulation, where we actually liberalized the market from a very classic European monopoly market, where we only allowed a state-owned company to do sports betting. And apart from that, we had lotteries, land-based uh, casinos and slots. Uh, but we didn't really have a legalized online a casino and sports betting for everyone. Uh, so that was the new thing. And it wasn't that new in the sense that you mentioned. So UK had done it uh, already, and uh, Spain was just alongside us, actually. So we were exchanging views and knowledge uh, already then. We looked to France a little bit, Belgium a tiny bit. Um, 
And of course, there were really uh, regulators out there to, to ask. But then again, I'm a strong believer in the fact that never copy anything. It can only go wrong. But you can exchange knowledge on what, what works and what doesn't. And then you have to remember where you, where you are. So your market will always be unique compared to every other market. So with that in mind, we developed quite, a, a, I think, um, well-functioning uh, legislation way back. But at the time, now we're sitting here in the RG area, uh, RG wasn't really the key issue, right? It wasn't really. It was about, yeah, it was about creating an attractive market to protect players from getting themselves involved with illegal offerings eventually. So that was really key. But it wasn't key key to really go deep into individual patent, uh, gambling patterns and take care of the individual player as he went along on the internet. That came around much later, really. And again, the UK was one of the first ones to, to really put the finger in the wound. But I would say, so looking back at those 10 years, the most significant change from when we uh, went out there licensing new operators and welcoming them into the market is re has really been the journey around RG. And I would, would say now to, to stay with your fresh approach, you said basket case before, <laughs> then I would say, well, there's a little bit of sort of like, uh, I told you so, I suddenly have the same feeling for all players, right? Suddenly everybody's more holy than the holy ones. And I would just say a few years ago, we didn't focus that much on that. And it wasn't really asked for in the same way. And now suddenly everybody has this deep understanding of, of the need of it. But when you then get up today and read today's news, you still see stories that makes you a little bit sad. So you still see these stories where they don't get it right. Even the very, very big companies that should have all the resources in the world to get it right. They still make mistakes. And I do, do admit that RG has, has taken quite a significant leap from way back until now. And Danish legislation in the same way has changed, adjusted a little bit but not as significant as in the UK and other places. Uh, we have made some adjustments and more will definitely come around. And I think it's only fair to say that you can always criticize if you go back because hopefully we always get wiser as we move on. So it's not really fair to just look back and say they should have got it right way back on RG. But I would argue now we all ought to get it right, in the sense that there are less excuses for not understanding the individual gambling pattern of each player that you offer games to. So in this world, I would argue that we would have made our legislation slightly different and put on more, definitely more restrictions than we did way back. I can't agree more. I believe this will be the industry's Bible going forward. We're all still learning, usually by a form of trial and error, <laughs> by having made mistakes. But I'd like to think that, as they say, we are getting there. You've been, and definitely for a good reason, singing the praises of your own time and singing the praises of your colleagues when you were at the helm of the Danish Gambling Authority. But, this may be a loaded question, but would you happen to have any regrets about that time? Perhaps apart from the point you have just made about potentially not having done enough about yeah. RG. 
I think that's absolutely a great question. I think actually each and every uh, regulator should ask uh, themselves that quite often actually. Do you have any regrets uh, about what you did lately? Um, because things are moving so fast. So one regret I would say, I didn't pay enough attention to the already market, uh, uh, the market already there in Denmark. So never forget about those that came around way back in time and established gaming as entertainment, right? They're not suddenly crooks of the new world. They were there. They, they actually established fine entertainment for, for the majority of people. Uh, so the land-based slot machine, the, the, the halls there, the casinos, um, those people dealing with that and offering <clears throat> that, and also my colleagues taking care of that. I paid uh, too little attention to them in the beginning, simply because it was so fresh and modern and everybody uh, was just looking straight into online developments, right? So, so what I have been preaching a little bit when uh, being involved in Ontario was really remember your, your, your market uh, that is there already. Don't get too, too uh, taken by only the new operators coming into the market. Be careful to make everybody still feel welcome and make it all work in, in, a, in, a, in a good way. Not only the newest uh, companies, but everybody should be taken care of. And certainly, well, we will come on to that. Ontario's uh, heeded you on that one. <laughs> but, and you've already touched up on what I would call the golden age of European online gambling regulation. You know, left, right and center, Spain, Italy, Romania, Bulgaria, all these countries regulated at about the same time in a way that I would suggest was yeah. largely welcome yeah. by the industry and we all entered these markets and we're still trying to make the most of it. So the first question actually may be a slightly controversial one, if I may. Now the industry throughout the years transformed itself from the dot-com largely fly-by-night operators into heavily licensed operators and listed companies. So would you happen to believe that the dot-com era is truly over or is the black market still rearing its ugly hat at us, no matter where that may be? Well, you, you know, uh, I have a say that, that you, you, you get the boss you deserve, the colleagues you deserve, you get the market you deserve as a regulator and government, right? So in many ways, um, I think the dot-com will come and go depending on how, how good the rest of us actually do in the market. So it's up to all of us that really want to do it in the compliant way to make sure that we, we strike that fine balance where we still allow for attractive games to be out there to provide for great entertainment, again, for most people. And on the other hand, we do need to see industry embrace the fact that nowadays RG is one of the core costs of whatever they do. And it needs to be in every process they are involved in when they create their offerings, right? They have to consider this RG issue. So really, it depends very much on how good we all are in creating attractive uh, games and at the same time a balanced market and take care of players. As long as we keep getting these bad stories, single cases, 
where we all straight front, up, up front, agree that was a bad one. As long as we see those every day almost in the news, it, it sort of makes it really hard to imagine that we won't uh, have this uh, antitrust in industry. And if we lose out on the trust in industry and also the trust in governments being able to deal with it, then we do eventually push players to unsafe environment because they lose trust in the legal uh, market. Why shouldn't they? I mean, if, if the legal market behaves badly, they can just as well pick on the bonuses and the great stuff going on in the illegal market. So I think depending on how good we do, um, we can squeeze out the bad guys, as I call them. Uh, but if we don't get it right and res be respectful about the need to also be able to advertise your products, um, then we will see the dot-coms waiting round the corner and they'll pop up again like that because where there's business to be made, there will always be industry to make it. So, so really, I'm not a naive person. I do believe that we have to be on our toes in everything we do. And, and regulators need industry. Industry needed regulators. We need to see this as a collaborative ecosystem uh, that has to do well to get rid of the dot-coms. And I'd like to think that these days we're one big, happy, <laughs> largely happy family, the regulators and the, the operators. I suppose I appreciate that there's no silver bullet or panacea to the black market, but if you have all the power in the world, if not superpowers, what would be your recipe to, as you called it, squeeze out the bad guys, squeeze out the gangsters, squeeze out the fly-by-night operators licensed of tiny little rocks in the Caribbean? Well... Uh, as in many other uh, areas, uh, one thing that is always damaging to everyone, right? When, when we all get ourselves into the corners, pointing fingers at each other, that's when our enemies having, are having the, the greatest time, right? And the enemies being the bad guys. So we need to, to restrain from pointing fingers and get ourselves into the middle there and create more global solutions. I'm a very sort of like global person. I like to think anyways. Perhaps it comes from really having been regulating a small market. I really had this need and urge to, I wish I could regulate more. And, and now when I'm an advisor, I would just love to really keep on advising on thinking more internationally and more global. And also in, in some ways where we can standardize solutions Let's do that. Let's not spend money and time on guessing how it should have been. If we have a harmonized standardization way of doing it, let, let's, let's agree on that one and get on with the really complicated stuff. So more global approach and looking at Intain, you sort of like Intain to me in many ways. <laughs> so we do need companies and people, personalities like yourself to really drive this development we cannot do this alone, and we cannot do it by pointing fingers. So we really do need the, the heavyweights in industry and the heavyweights in research. Looking at Shelley, for one, a heavyweight, doing extremely well. So we do need research. We don't need a little bit of that and a little bit of this research. We need well-funded, well-funded, appreciated research that can really make a difference and show us what tools are really valuable for RG and what is not. All these nitty-gritty small reports 
with all due respect, they're quite confusing sometimes. We need a more global way of doing that. So that's Birgitte's global superpower. Yes. Once Antonio Guterres retires, I will ask the Czech government to put in a good word for you when they're looking for the new hat of the United Nations because you would do a fantastic job. And yes, I did have uh, an internal consultation with my wife as to changing my first name to Antain. She was having none of it. And I do see why that would be. But coming on to the next question, and well, it all comes hand in hand. So we've already started touching up on it. The RG standards and RG efforts of all the governments out there, be it the UK, Spain, we are at a global conference, but with a pronounced European focus. So how would you rate those? Are they on the right track? What are the issues that you have come across in that regard? In the UK? In, well, in the UK, Spain, all these right. efforts of late whereby governments have, and for a good reason, sought to step up on the RG front. But then looking at it from within the industry, yeah, of course, we're prepared to play ball. But some would suggest that some of these governments may be overdoing it just a little. So uh, immediately turning to the UK, uh, just looking at those uh, 81 recommendations coming from the public health institution there. Uh, quite a lot uh, to take in. And then on top of that, uh, we, we might, we might not, we might never see the white paper coming up. At least it has been uh, postponed again and again. And I think that kind of guessing going on and that kind of waiting going on is extremely damaging and it, it's really not a perfect way of, of collaborating with industry and moving forward. It is in many ways um, very unfortunate that we all have to guess what might happen uh, and it sort of puts things on a hold uh, and not for the better, for, for the less good. So, and the world is really waiting to see what will happen with this white paper because it does contain some considerable uh, changes if it comes around and it will eventually uh, make some make it the way to legislation. So affordability checks, for one thing, would be something coming around the corner maybe. And and what is that? So affordability. Um, so how do we compare Europe to India or Brazil? So what is affordable for me might not just be affordable for colleagues elsewhere in the world or people elsewhere in the world. So, so really, that is one great example of being very careful about using tools or suggesting tools that we don't know the full uh, effect of, really. So my advice would be, and my worst fear is at the same time, that we see tools being designed, agreed in Europe and elsewhere sort of out, not out of the blue, but out of context or not being consistent. So, so if you just have new tools because you can, and that sounds great, like another good idea on its own, but will it be a good idea together with the 10 other tools already there? Um, so I have to, to say purpose, consistency, uh, and coordination is key 
to get it right with RG. And I do hope that UK will show the way in a good way, as they've done on some issues before. But I do fear a little bit that it is dragging out and it's not a good situation for any of us. Absolutely. I believe that Ellen Bill and Art will appreciate me saying that I wish I had a dollar every time at a US conference somebody goes, look at the UK, what's happened there? We do want to avoid that. Without necessarily having the full knowledge of what has actually happened, but I shall digress. And let's move on to Ontario. We've already mentioned that you've been heavily involved in the Ontario regulatory scheme and that you sported the Maple Leafs colours, pun intended, Shelley. So how did all that come about? Because all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're doing your thing in Denmark, and then the industry saw you crop up as part of the brave Ontario men and women trying to regulate market, their market after all these years. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say that I all already knew of the regulator uh, in Ontario for many years. Tom Mungham has been a great colleague of mine. Um, so I did know about Ontario and Canada, and I've, I have friends, lawyers, uh, working with gambling in Canada as well. So in that sense, um, I knew a little bit about what was going on. But they approached me, and I realized uh, that they were really at the steps of implementing a new regime for online. And, and I was just asked if I would like to take it on as an advisor, uh, just be there in the back, uh, back room, backstage, uh, and share what, what I've learned uh, from the Danish market and onwards. Um, so I was extremely honored to do that. Uh, so I worked uh, for the Minister of Finance, uh, slightly also for the general attorney in Ontario. Um, but really, they did already have a very well-functioning regulatory authority. But what they had to establish, quite interestingly enough for Canada, uh, they had to establish a conduct and manage uh, authority as well, IGO. And so uh, due to Canada having a kind of a different uh, build on regulation on gambling, they have a sort of like a federal approach saying that we need our provinces themselves to conduct and manage gambling, actually. We can't leave it to the industry themselves to conduct and manage only and then get a license doing so. So uh, up came this authority that actually enter into agreement with, with companies before the companies can then get a license uh, to offer games in, in, in Ontario. So that was different, but I realized we have the same sense of humor. Um, and we have, share a lot of, of values between Denmark and Ontario, which I really very much appreciated, uh, by the way. Um, but, but really my highest respect for the fact that, again, every, each and every market is very, very different. And so Ontario is very different in the sense that they have uh, a great respect and regard for uh, indigenous people, uh, which is an important part of, of Canada. And also, obviously, of course, also important part of the states. Also there, you have the tribes. So uh, you really have to be very uh, humble and considerate when you get yourself into anything uh, there as an advisor. And I think I, I uh, was allowed in in a very good way. And I'm, I'm quite proud to say I think they did extremely well. I think that the way they opened the market, the way they had the dialogue with industry uh, was available for constructive talks. Um, 
and started off not too strict, I think that's a very good way to go. My, my, my logic on this is always, now, don't spend too many years thinking about it only, because while you're thinking about it, it will all get too old. You have to do it all again, anyways. Get out there, get the sense and feel, it, feel of it, and while you're out there, adjust and evaluate what you're doing. Don't go out there and think you know everything, and don't be too restrictive day one. Let, let the industry and the market develop. Be a little bit open and pragmatic in the beginning. And then, of course, when everybody knows exactly what they got themselves into, you can strike down and start issuing sanctions and so forth. And, but, but to me, sanctioning anyone is always kind of a failure on both sides. It's really sad when you as a regulator have to sanction someone because you have to look uh, to your own part of it and say, did I do enough to inform and, and guide uh, all together since this happened? So, so really, I think Ontario is on to an extremely good start. Amen to that and the number of operators that have entered the market are a testament to it and I'm sure that they will beat the Pennsylvanias and Michigans to it and leave them far behind in the dust. The other point I would make about the cultural divergences and similarities, well of course the Danish hockey team is getting better by the minute so Team Canada watch out the next Olympics, you know, the Danes might be there and they might be very fair opposition. Talking about the US, and the audience will be pleased to hear that we are now entering, largely entering the home stretch, but I'd be remiss in my duties not to ask you about the US, because it's fair to say, so to your work, Shelley's work, that Ontario's introduced very high responsible gambling standards. So with all due respect to my new American brethren, and fair play to some of the exemptions, like the DG in New Jersey, the US responsible gambling standards may not be, let me put it this way, as high as the Canadian ones. So how do you think that this will all play out going forward? Well, actually, uh, I, was, I, I had planned to, to give you a full sort of like introductionary note on that one, right? But I will just begin with the end of my, my say on this. Uh, I heard... Uh, extremely great uh, uh, way of saying it at a panel at the IMGL conference in, uh, in uh, London last week. And one of the lawyers there said, well, uh, looking to Europe and then comparing with the States. So uh, the States seem to be having a great party going on. The party's going on, but in the UK they have the hangover. And sooner or later, the States will get the hangover themselves you know, as well. And I think that's very much to the point, actually, uh, that right now we see, uh, 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 in many ways, a very, very keen uh, industry trying to position themselves, obviously, in a huge market. Why shouldn't they? We see that all over the world. That's only, that's what every keen industry do, try to get market shares, nothing way wrong with that. But, but I do worry that apart from going state by state in how everything is regulated uh, and managed, including RG tools, when they eventually come around, um, I do, do fear that, that perhaps the states will not look that much to what we should have done different in Europe. I wish they would, 
I wish they would take some learning from our mistakes, uh, in, and also, of course, from our our, our doing good. So, so really, uh, thinking more globally, I think we lose a lot of time, and we do have a lot of sad uh, um, uh, player uh, cases simply because we don't collaborate and exchange enough. So we should by now have so much knowledge out there that we could share and avoid the really bad uh, uh, mishaps uh, and bad stories around gambling uh, addiction and so forth. And I think the states have all the opportunities in the world, really, to get it right and to not treat RG as an add-on, but put it at the core of their business. And I think that's why you're sitting here that's why great many of the companies are getting themselves into really putting RG at the forefront of what they do. Because once the players lose trust and don't see the fun of it, and once we all get fed up listening to all the bad stories out there, they will be in an extremely bad place. And, and it will not only be well-deserved for all of them, right? It might be for some of them, but it would be such a shame if, if some cases take down the full industry. And, and right now, I, I worry a little bit about trust in industry. So I do really hope that the states will do their utmost to go out there and create an attractive market and get that balance right. I just read a story about California, that the public health place there, um, office, were actually uh, audited and they were told that they didn't really, they weren't really on top of things when it came to knowing players and, and, and knowing about player addiction in their state. And so might be worrying whether they would be fit for fight when, when and if California gets around to also get themselves into legalizing sports betting and online and so forth uh, in a bigger concept. So just to point, not to really point fingers, but, but just saying... We need the states to really make use of all the good stuff out there and do better than some of us did along the way and, and turn to what we learned and what we regret. Great answer. We shall well sort you on and plug away and in the states and elsewhere. I'm sure we could be talking about California for ages, but let's not do that because this is not the time and place. 11 minute self-warning to use football parlance. So one final topic to tackle, then we'll open it. That's okay. We'll open it to the audience and then uh, you will get your 60 seconds to firmly claim, but well, you're already a member of a few halls of fame, so you might be able to claim a few more and a few more lifetime achievement awards. But the final topic is women in the industry. I'm looking at this crowd, seeing a lot of men. We got sort of a, well, not really a good, we got a mix, not necessarily a, a balanced mix. So the question, I suppose, is rather obvious. Does this industry need to do more, or perhaps even more, because I believe we need to somehow give it to ourselves for having changed stance on diversity, but do you reckon we need to do even more to attract more diversity to our industry so that the next live episode of the Save Bed Show is attended by even more people. Thanks for being here today, but an even more diverse group of people. Right, so just take the last piece first. It still sort of like triggers my mind a little bit, right? That behind us we have 
a lot of square meters going on with all the games and service providers and so forth being offered, right? All the opportunities there. And here we sit, only a small group, focusing on how to take care of players, right? And discussing those issues. So this is still a little bit not good enough. It's not, it's not a little bit good enough. It's extremely not good enough. Apart from that, women in, in gambling, well, like in so many other industries, women has in all times been used as part of the marketing because we're so great looking, by the way. Uh, but, but I suppose for, I'm not allowed to comment on that these days, but <laughs> yes, it may be true. But, but no, no, no. But, but for, yeah, but, but I, I like to, to be able to still say that kind of joke, you know, without being killed. So I do think that, that, that women has been misused for so many years as part of the marketing in gambling and in the gambling industry. I mean, when I came into this uh, 15 years ago or more, I saw these beautiful young girls at ICE wearing nothing. And I thought this was exactly why I was troubled whether I should take on roles as, as a regulator or not. Awful. But, but so part, part of that history might be part of why women have had quite a hard time getting into more respectful, uh, totally uh, uh, everyday kind of jobs in the industry, uh, simply because they were seen and used much more for data than really for doing just their job, just an ordinary job in an industry. And I think we come far, and I think we need to go further. And I think women, ourselves, we need to help each other because we know how it was and, and, and we, ha we share some of the same hopes. Uh, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting that many women pushing me on the way. There weren't not. There, there weren't any. You know, it was all gray men. I was just in the middle of, I was the only one wearing laces and makeup. There was all men. Uh, in the Ministry of Taxation, on top of that, there was no women on the top. So, so, apart eventually myself and a few more, but really it took a lot of, of, of years. And I think it will take some time still, but I'm really pleased to see women getting themselves up in the ranks. But I would also like to stress, now let all of us promise each other, we will not only put women in those uh, roles and positions where society believes that women do best. I think that is an awful way of doing things. So women are just as good as taking on any kind of high-level leadership positions that do not deal with people questions or taking care particularly and so forth. So I would love to see women, just as any other person in industry, he, her, whatever, all kinds, it takes all kinds to take care of all kinds. So to me, it's very logical to invite all kind of, of people and personalities to share this great industry and contribute to a safe environment. Not only women versus men, but much more about diverse personalities and people as such. We need that because the players are like that, right? So if you want to survive in, in this great industry, we, we need to embrace the diversity of the world 
and we need to think much more global in whatever we do and, and not point fingers but simply help each other out. This is exactly why we're so privileged to have you. We might be running out of time. So before I give you your 60 seconds to shine even more, we'd be happy to take one question from the audience, should anyone be so daring. Mr. David Foster, representing Entain himself. Thanks, Martin. Bush, um, Birgitte, you covered all the sort of the, the various ingredients that go into kind of gambling regulation and all the differences across, across the world. What would you say is the most important thing in the most important factor in determining how regulation is developed? Is it the culture? Is it politics? Is it the individuals at the regulator? What, what, what would you say is probably the most important thing in, in determining how regulation looks in the sector? Well, for one thing, never assume that you know it all. Always be humble about that there's someone out there that knows better on one or another issue, right? Never overlook an, a stakeholder in the ecosystem. Be aware this is a great ecosystem, and if you leave out some, you don't get it right. Ultimately, it will hit you uh, hard if you overlook someone. As we, as in regulation, perhaps overlook game designers, for one thing. So, so really, it's very much about never underestimate the quality and competences out there that create great entertainment, but also have the trigger to do uh, to to actually uh, challenge the trust industry by by implementing perhaps stuff that shouldn't be there. And the way to to find that is to be humble about that someone else can tell you what they're doing, what they believe, and what you ought to to look at. So as a regulator, you you have the power. You have the power to be humble. You shouldn't use your power to be arrogant. Uh, and that is probably the most awful quality that I see sometimes, the arrogance from both sides. Arrogance from industry or arrogance also from, from government, politicians, and people like myself. I mean, really, we have to get down a bit from our glass something up there, Peter Sills, and, and collaborate. Well, famous words in the making that do need to be carved in stone. Now your dreaded 60 seconds to convey your key message before we wrap it all up and thank the audience for their kind attention. So, so really, uh, to me, my 60 seconds should be that sitting up here today, being invited... I didn't ask for it, fantastic. I was invited. Sitting up here with you uh, is really what I dreamt about way back when I was new to this, that we could have this kind of collaboration and mutual respect for each other. This is the extre extremely good example on how we ought to respect each other and invite each other to share views and bring forward our hopes and expectations. So I think this is everything I worked for as a regulator and that I still try to accommodate and advise on. So thank you so much for having me here. Thanks for being with us today. Awesome, as my American friends say. Ladies and gentlemen, this was the one and only Birgit Sand on the Say Bachelor. Let's please put, to, put it together for her. <laughs>